0: After you've not been open for two
1: months, (laughs) I I guess personally, I'm I'm doing okay. And uh, you know, as a leader, that's important because you've got to be looking after your own health and well being, because you're often Mm. guilty of taking on the stresses of of everyone
0: else. Um, So, you know, Chief Operating Officer, Sadema Hotels, you've got a pretty big footprint that's heavily. Um, reliant on tourism how do you see this kicking back off coming down from level two potentially to what one would look like from a domestic side and then eventually hopefully getting the international um, world back rolling like how do you kind of see this play out in your head say for the next say six to twelve months for New Zealand
1: well it's you know it's complex of course and um, very uncertain Um, but I believe the next uh yeah, I, I, I believe it'll just be in stages. The first couple of months will be slow, and hopefully, you know, momentum will grow. Um, so, yeah, it's it's really hard to to know for sure, Robert. But um, I think it'll come back in parts.
0: Yeah, and uh, have you seen like so? When this was all went down, have you did you obviously you stayed at home in the lockdown? Like logistically, how did things all space out with like where everyone went and what everyone did? how did it all work logistically for over the last couple of months
1: um actually it's been difficult because we're an operational company um so although the support office or people would refer to head office um although we were able to work from home um it was really frustrating because our you know we're an operational company so you know 99 percent of our people are working in hotels and um so it was a real struggle um to sort of have empathy, I guess, because, mm. um, you know, the, I felt the pain of the people that worked for me. Yeah. yeah. You know, in, in our cases, Robert, we had three hotels were at the front line of the health crisis, and we had people who, um, you know, were coming into hotels that um, uh, sent there by the government, um, potentially had uh, uh, infections, and mm. we were asking our people to put themselves in front of them. And, yeah. uh, and of course, you know we had we had all all the health and safety precautions. Of course, uh, there was one period where I'd said to the government, unless I got some answers around health and safety, I would withdraw our hotels from the from the offer because we had volunteered them. But yeah. that was where my real concern and stress was was that these people were going about their business and potentially putting themselves at risk. So yeah, that that was difficult. Um, and then of course, in parallel to that whole crisis, we, we still were seeing revenues fall away and some of the hotels it was down to zero. So we had to go about a restructure. So you had the sort of, you know, two things happening at once where you were um, trying to support your, your people on the front line but equally going about plans to, you know, potentially remove their job. So it was, it was terrible. It was just shocking.
0: Yeah, it's a tough one to balance when you're thinking about the the care of the business versus the care of others, when it's you know, simultaneous, yeah. and that's a, that's a tough one, right? Because then personally, you're like, you know, you want you to be safe, you want your staff to be safe, and simultaneous is like, well, we're also. You know seen a flip a 90 plus percent drop in in the entire business's revenue how do we navigate both sides of that so yeah that, especially with 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 tourism accommodation you know it's something that we, we we've had um john maynor on from the, the head of wilderness um james dale gleish from go we had tim out from juicy you know and i've obviously talked to a bunch of people in the in the in the tourism space and it's just kind of a i think new zealand very much the hearts go out to all of I think they've really had a bit more of appreciation for the tourism sector through this, right? Like a lot of times, and and it's kind of like genuine care for those that sit within it, you know, like just seeing so much of the industry. When this was all going down for you, were you in kind of constant comms with others competitors in the marketplace with like 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 how did the that sort of upper echelon of of tourism the tourism sort of operators and stuff like what was kind of the the, the feedback and the thinking and the communication over the last couple of months like where did the energy sort of go to with those conversations
1: yeah it's really interesting question actually because um immediately i mean we're in, especially in the hotel sector uh we're pretty tight group mm. um you know it's not unusual for uh, us to be working for competitors through our career because we're a small market so we all get on pretty well um and um, you know we all have each other's backs and I think in the wider tourism sector that's probably the case too um, and initially in that first week or two there was just shock and you know I was reaching out to, to colleagues and peers and, and um, they were doing the same to me and we were just sort of shaking our heads about you know what next um, but that that didn't last for too long because i guess we all had to go back to our knitting and just say right we've got to get on and do what we've got to do Um, then i guess once that first sort of three or four weeks went out of the way and some of uh, the i guess the leaders in the industry were able to sort of pop their heads up a little bit we began to ask questions um, of the government response and um, you know what was next and so that probably sparked a, a, a different um round of discussions amongst us all but we're all we're all very connected and um we all get it Um, so you know there was a lot of emphasis on trying to get information back to the government or to our tourism representatives um to try and express what uh, what we thought should happen next Um, and now we've probably moved on to another phase where um, i guess the reality is really set in Um, we've kind of realized that um you know the government has done as much as they can for us and uh, it's really up to ourselves so um, I, th- I think what's happening now is there's a little bit of reflection really going on and um, it'll be interesting to see what what's next for the tourism industry in terms of specifically what you ask about you know what discussions are going to take place internally
0: has there been how much talk of roll-ups and acquisitions and international vc firms and new zealand co- competitors jumping together like how much how much sort of higher level conversations have been had with what's actually going to be needed? Because obviously, you know, government help gets through days, but not years, and different cu- current competitors in the market. Is there, a, is there any tension that, is there any fear from New Zealand owned operators that if they don't partner with each other, overseas capital might come in and actually take that? Like, is that a, a kind of concern that has that been had at the top table, or is it kind of more, how do we survive and go? Does, do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah no, it's a good question. Um, I don't, uh, I mean, we've always tried to encourage foreign capital, ironically, because we've, the government, a series of governments, have have wanted uh, foreign investment, especially around hotels, because there had previously been a shortage of uh, inventory. Um, Although we didn't always see it that way, but certainly the the government felt that there was a need. So there's a lot of capital coming to New Zealand. There's a lot of hotels under development in in Auckland, um, you know, thousands and thousands of rooms due to come online. Uh, I would assume, though, that um, the appetite for investment in New Zealand at the moment, like anywhere in the world, uh, around tourism would be would be moderate. I don't think there'd be a great deal of demand at the moment because people are still taking stock. Mm. However, of course, there will be opportunities. You know, I think in the next six to 12 months, um, if some operators and everyone's different, um, their financial um, situation might mean that, the, they're slightly exposed to potential takeovers, or you know, are forced to, to, to selling off assets. Um, who knows? But yeah, I guess that's a real possibility. That yeah. um, there may well be um, uh, investors who are, are waiting and uh, looking for uh, this type of opportunity. I'm not aware of those discussions at the moment, Rob, because it, it really comes down to you know valuations, and um, especially in the hotel market, you know what what that future looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, there was certainly a feeling pre-COVID that uh, Auckland, particularly, had kind of filled up in terms of investments for hotels. Um, so I don't think that um, you know there would be much of an appetite at that point. But yeah, who knows? I guess.
0: Yeah. No. I would just. I always think about you know someone make a move, and then what's that chess piece down? And I was like, well, you know, if a bunch of New Zealand um, these tourism spots get you know distress assets overseas comes in and potentially if there's a couple of kind of well-loved Kiwi brands who now get taken offshore will there then be blowback on the government for not doing more for the for the the tourism sector now when they could have to potentially have saved those things? And I'm just like yeah. this is not a "now" thing, but I'm just like you know if this played out in certain ways, if there's big beloved brands that we had, would that be an issue or not? Um, one of the things I was um going to ask you about is. When this happened, everyone kind of went. You're exactly right, um, Liz. Everyone went into shock, and it was like, "Holy shit!" Like this is stuffed, right? And then it was just like, "What's happening?" Blah blah. And it became a bit of a gong show. But then everyone, it kind of the the energy turned a little, and was like, "You know, how can we reimagine the future? How can we reinvent ourselves? How can we reframe the conversation? How can we reset the business?" Lots of re's. I get that. And you'd put a post up, which was flipping gold, and it was along the lines. um, I think I've got it here. You were saying, you know, I'm imagining the reimagined tourism catchphrase. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm approaching the reimagined tourism catchphrase with caution. Um, suddenly, we have parties not engaged in tourism activities um, advising on what's best, and you kind of went on this rant and just like destroyed all these muppets, which is rad. Give the context behind that, because a lot of people, it's very easy to sit on the sofas and be the you know the the couch backroom backseat driver going on. What didn't the average person realise when they could just so happily, flippantly just like tell you how to run your world? Because I just thought it was great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess like all tourism people, I got a bit defensive. Um, I thought our industry was headed in a pretty good direction pre-COVID. Especially around some of the critical um, factors like sustainability and care of the environment, manakitanga. Uh, I feel that if there's a sector in New Zealand that really understands that, that's us because the reputation of our brand is what makes us successful so we're really keen to be guardians of that and i know that over the years tourism has had a sort of a mixed journey around volume versus quality but in recent years we've really changed our focus and this has been led by uh, tourism industry uh, and the governments i think we've done a great job sort of focusing where we need to go we had some choke points and But not failures and that's what really upsets me is that people were using the term like over tourism because they'd seen it on twitter or they heard it from overseas and i don't think we were experiencing that we had choke points we had some uh bits of infrastructure that weren't up to standard and um so i don't think we were in a space where things were failing and that's what really upset me Um, and then now of course suddenly we have all these people from the sidelines telling us about how we should go about um do your thing Doing our and I and I think we kind of get it. Um, there's we're a very aware industry. We understand all those pressures, and you know there are a lot of very clever people who work in this industry and they get it. Um, And partly, Robert, that's because we have a lot of young people too. I mean, we tourism attract young people, and they're very passionate about these things, so they drive us. Um, so yeah, suddenly have people um outside the industry, um academics um, and you know the like, telling us about how we should proceed in this sort of imaginary perfect world. Um, because the, the simple thing, first of all, is we've got to survive. Uh, we've got to get through this. But look, no question, we, we will take on board all those com- comments and all those observations because we're having similar thoughts ourselves. Um, we absolutely appreciate that it's an opportunity to reset some things. Um, but we still need volume um you know we can't have every tourist arriving in new zealand who was going on a slow and thoughtful tourism journey that's just not practical mm. uh, we need a mix um and yes we'd love to have you know uh, well-heeled people coming through but we also got to be able to provide um, a welcome um, and service and products for a whole range of people uh, so yeah I, I guess there was a little frustration there uh, around that and um no, it was great. Yeah.
0: It, it was yeah. great. It just kind of threw the hammer because there's all, it, it, it just kind of, I don't know, it was about maybe it was like week two or three. Everyone just got, like, was just throwing shit out. Like it was just got ideas, but because there was no sort of comeback, there was this kind of weird tension of like, I want everyone to have a voice because it's good that we have ideas, but at the same time, you know you're not playing this game, so shut your face. So it was quite. Man, you finished off perfect, and you go. My message, therefore, to the groups and the stands is: while well, we appreciate you paying for a ticket to the game, the reason you are not playing today is the talent is on the field. Stand back and let the ba- the battle-hardened men and women in this industry play what's in front of them. And it was just it was it was like a moment because it just kind of stopped and be like, Alright, yes, but. You you don't see what we see because you haven't been here before, so you don't actually like. Uh, we appreciate the intent, but you don't have the you haven't executed anything to actually have the right for that opinion. <laughs> so it's
1: just great. You, you know, I, I I have seen lots of comments, especially from um, New Zealanders, about how tourism is so expensive in New Zealand, and now we're getting our cup up and comeuppance, and that um, you know it's unaffordable for locals, and uh, we've been greedy, and those sort of comments too. You know, upset me. Um, You know, the fact is that domestic tourists uh, spent something like 25, 27 billion dollars last year in our economy. So it was obviously working. Um, And what's happened is what you were saying is suddenly we've got these commentators from um, the sidelines who are getting a voice. But actually, even domestically, um, you know, we were going along okay. Uh, So, yeah, some of that criticism has been hard to take. But I guess we've just got to be, you know, Again, be aware of those things. Um, be mindful of the, the local market, uh, but at the same time, we've 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 got to be brave and plow on and continue to innovate and and build quality. Um, in the next three years, uh, what are you
0: most fearful of for the tourism industry in New Zealand? Yes, um,
1: I, I, I did get it. The it's a good question. The the, the risk is that uh, as things recover, that we become too optimistic. Too soon, um, you know. Mm. It's important in a business that you know you continue to plan for the worst and hope for the best, because there might be the odd false dawn. You know, a recovery is not a straight line, as you know. Mm. Um, it it is always stepped, and there'll be the odd disruption and odd setback, because we still face a, a health crisis around the world, and we, you know, you never quite know what's coming or what, and we know there'll be something else uh, occurs financial um or health wise so that's probably the best thing is you just got to remain cautious Um, and and the challenge is obviously um getting to a point where you can build up your cash reserves again Mm. and um and get yourself into a safer spot and of course by doing that you're naturally cautious so that's another risk is that especially in tourism because we've always been good innovators and we've always been good risk takers but if you become cautious potentially you know, we don't take the most of opportunities. Um, and, and the third thing, Robert, and this is what happened to us post-GFC is that the recovery came and it was a, a wave of tourism and we yeah. just weren't ready for it. We didn't see it coming. Um, and that's, that always happens in sort a of post any any type of recession. The recovery is always stronger than you think. And so the danger is that, you know, you're so conservative, you've you've, um, you've modeled your business to be cautious And then suddenly we just get these people and we miss the opportunity we can't maximize that Mm. chance so i mean all three of those things will happen Uh, yeah you know and what happened post gfc especially is that we didn't address address some of that infrastructure you know we when when new zealand population began to to grow quickly and tourism came in you know we had all sorts of problems um because we didn't take that Period post GFC to get on with those big projects. So you know yeah. what we want to see the government doing now is quickly um, deploying um, resources into those well thought out um, resources and well thought out projects. But we need to take this chance to address those things
0: because that would be. Is- a little- yeah, no, no, I, I was just going to say it's a it's a really tough balance of offense versus defense because from some of the people I've been talking to, they're talking about, you know, after the Great Depression of t- 27 or whatever it was, that whole generation grew up in defense mode to save your pennies and you never know because that 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 kind of shifted the mindset and the psyche of how they think money and finance. Obviously, GFC was, I guess, the most recent one for, I mean, I'm only, you know, 35 now, so I, I, I remember that. Um, do you think that... This moment will again change the psyche of New Zealanders in general, deep to its core, with how they, you know, view view money, offense, defense, in terms of you know being a bit more proactive and maybe risk a bit more risk averse with where they, how they sort of approach life and business.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would hope so, um, because we do know New Zealanders hold a lot of household debt, for instance. It would be great to see that come down as a country and, and potentially save more money. I mean, that would be good. But there'll be lessons learned and you know people of your generation who haven't been necessarily through a major setback um you know you'll be all better for it you'll be much stronger leaders coming out of this because you know now that you know when you're operating Mm -hmm. especially a large business in the future um you're going to be saying well you know let's be cautious we have to remember the COVID period um yeah yeah it's there'll be there'll be really good lessons in, in, in that regard and yes i guess people will be a little more conservative. Um, and yeah, maybe that's not a bad thing. So do
0: you think it might, cause it feels, you know, with a lot of people. So we had um, Clive Omrod on, who's the CEO of Les Mills. And, you know, he said, look, this didn't change the strategy one iota from what we were going to do, but it, it escalated it from three years to three weeks. Um, <laughs> and, and, and so it was very offense, you know, so there's been kind of two, there's been two camps. It's been um, ham on defense, you know, bend down the hatches, holy shit, and then the other part has been, let's fully giddy up and go. So I think you're probably right, the long tail of that new leadership is probably gonna be on defense, but right now it feels it's offensive with opportunity, right? Do you kind of feel that's the sense of where most of the decision-makers'
1: heads are at? Yeah, I mean, good businesses are playing for all types of scenarios. Um, you, know, you, you need to have an eye on the future. Um, certainly in our own case, um, yes, we, you know, we went through that survival, period for a month or two, we, you know, we asked ourselves, will we get through this, we quickly determined that we would. Um, and then we looked about, okay, well, what's the short term look like? What's the next 12 months going to look like? You know, we needed to restructure our company in order to, to get through that period. Uh, but equally, we, you know, we were in, we were in growth mode pre COVID. We've got three hotels under development. And for a small company like ourselves, mm-hmm. um, to have three more coming on is a, is a big deal. So that hasn't changed that. I mean, because uh, those investments are long term. Um, Our shareholders have a long-term view that, you know, often they're generational investors. Um, So, no, we we set about doing that. But I I absolutely take the point that there may have been some things in the background that have suddenly been brought forward. Technology is one of those things. Mm. Um, You know, we, like all companies, we were considering, you know, we we deploy all types of technology, but we also consider lots of technology and it really brought that forward. Those things now just need to have to happen because we need, obviously, a a contactless uh, experience um in terms of technology right through our hotels um but equally we need to be more productive and um you know we've we've always wanted to be more productive like any business but you're no. right but you really, got to... yeah we just have to and um you know which kind of leads me into the fact that you know we will rebuild the company slightly differently going forward we won't be the same um you know we need to look at ways of being you know more productive
0: yeah, I was, I was going to, so when you think about that, what's been the biggest anchor that slowed down tourism businesses when it comes to technology? What's been the, the one thing that you're just like, this shit has got to stop? Like, what's the what's the bit that you are trying to attack? What's the first on your hit list for getting tech to, to try and go after to make, make business better? Uh, yeah,
1: I don't know that there's been anything necessarily slowing us down, Rob. I, I guess you know we're like anybody where there is so many good ideas coming out every day and just when you go through the process of looking at you know a solution and you think wow this is fantastic something else comes along and does even more and then you, you take a moment to reset and if you continue to do that you get nothing done so probably my frustration at the moment is that um you know we've been a little bit slow to get some of the simple things done because we've been always thinking oh there's so something so much better in the background. Um, so I want to see that change. I, I want to sort of get back to getting let's get uh, the basics correct and get that technology correct. Uh, and then let's worry about the bells and whistles later. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're a, I know you're a very tech savvy person. And you'll appreciate this. It's it's no sooner um, than you think you found a solution and something's on the horizon that looks much better. So and then you're a, yeah, and the bigger the organization, the slower it is to install it and then you get it done, and then suddenly something else comes along. So it's just a living, breathing thing. But um, I, I don't know that particularly there's anything been holding us back. We, we're pretty good uh, with technology. I mean, we have learned over the years not to be the first. Um, you know, it's been able yeah. to be the second. Um, that's probably the biggest lesson we've learned. But yeah, now I'm keen to get some of that technology um, deployed. But, and this is really vital in our sector it's got to be guest friendly it's got to be something the guest wants Mm. um i I think we're often guilty of imposing technology or even ideas on guests without really researching what their needs are so i think we've got to be reactive to them and um, and the other you know because the complicated thing about tourism too is that we have a whole range of ages you know from 18 to 88 so um you've got to be mindful that it's 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 got to be cool for everyone
0: yeah so so on that right like we had um Olivia on who's the the, the CEO of a startup Queenstown and uh, and she was talking about you know what do you do with with Queenstown obviously it's basically at zero at the moment and an idea is how do you you know turn it into like essentially like a a tourism tech hub or like the home of tourism tech for New Zealand or the world or, or whatever um, how do you think just Queenstown in general how, how do you think if you're the mayor of Queenstown, how would you address trying to repivot what Queensland could potentially offer a local market or just just to do anything, anyhow, whatever, to try and get life back into a place that was so predominantly and, and globally well known for something which it technically can't trade on right now?
1: That's a tough one for me, Robert. You're asking a waiter. Um, you know, I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do, I mean, I know Queensland reasonably no, well. I well, think about I... it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, go for it. I live I lived there for eight years, and um, I travel regularly to Queensland because we're building a hotel. Um, and I, I, I know well. It's yeah. I, I guess as long as the in terms of IT, as long as all the technology and the pipelines are strong, it, it's it's possible, and it's a beautiful place to live. Um, and you know, I can see you know people the Silicon Valley type of people wanting to live there, and, and I understand a lot of people do at the very top end. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably no reason why it. it that they can't um occur um but um in terms of breathing life back into the tourism industry itself it's just going to be a a real struggle unfortunately they just have to be patient um you know it's yeah i'm i'm you know you've probably touched on a nerve there i'm a little frustrated and it's a bit of a controversial view that's why i'm put on linkedin but i'm particularly frustrated at the way we're treating visa holders and immigrants in queenstown
0: Um, okay go there go there what what's the what's i didn't see that that rant what's what's that one um, didn't come across my my desk what's the deal
1: in queens in queenstown for as long as i can remember i've been you know attached to queenstown in in employment since since the late 90s we've always had a shortage of um, employment you know we've struggled to attract Kiwis because it's an expensive place to live um and you know the kind of the saying in queenstown is that there's no unemployment um because people turn over very quickly, um, so we, we, we've been desperate to attract um, overseas people who are prepared to stay there for longer periods. You mm. know, people UK and Europe, and you know, more recent years people from South America, um, and so we, we were finally getting to that point where we had a good sort of steady workforce that we could call upon. But uh, without the churn, without the churn as much. Without or... the churn, that's right. The people yep. who were determined to make it their home. And, um, you know, they put up with really tough conditions. There's a lot of um, uh, rat bag uh, rental There's properties. Drunk snowboarders at
0: Fergburger. That's what it is. It's, it's my kind exactly. at Fergburger.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've I've picked a few of you guys up at 4 o'clock in the morning. You know. Uh, Thanks, so I, 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 Yeah, it's, it's a difficult place, as you know. And um, it's expensive to live there. Uh, the work is seasonality. Um, but it's fun. And that's why people go there so i guess my point is that we've been desperate to get them there we, we, we're still in a high season understar. and now of course during the crisis we've said to them well you're on your own and i mean i understand the kiwi first approach you know we've got to do that but we we're in danger of abandoning them and, and many of them are really difficult financial situations they're stuck they can't come and they can't go um and I just think we need to be doing more, and Jim Bolt uh, has called for this, um, to, to assist them because the, the the worry for me is that in 18 months' time, especially when we open our own hotel and other businesses get back up and running, we'll have this shortage of uh, staff again, and we won't be able to track Kiwis back then because the, the fundamental issue still exists. It's still an expensive place. It's still remote. Um, and we won't be able to grow because we're hamstrung by employment. I mean, that's been in place for a while. So, look, I don't know what the solution is, but it's just frustrating to see us you know, somewhat abandon these people. And, um, you know, it, 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 from a humanitarian point of view, it worries me. And, and Robert, you know, um, I'm, I believe that if you cross the border and come into New Zealand, you're welcome. And we should kind of treat you like we do any visitor or any Kiwi. We should extend care to you to suddenly say to you, look, we don't need you, good luck um and leave you in desperate situations i
0: don't think that's cool yeah and just technically i'm i'm not you know an immigration expert but i'm imagining this is their visas are tied to a single business right and they, or or can they work in other sort of spots? Are you saying, you know, do we get like a, a, a two, three year extension for those that have that to be able to work elsewhere in New Zealand? Like what's the, what's the, le- what's the bit that
1: the handbrake legally that's- um, Yeah, there, there, are, there, are some, there are some legalities around that. And, you know, I'm not fully across that, but yes, yeah. I don't know about extensions, but certainly if there's flexibility, now, I understand there has been some flexibility offered, but whether it's flexible enough, I guess is the question. Got it. And, um, you know but look those I people are in trouble because it it, it, yeah well it's not like they can go to another region and get work potentially because you know there's a queue of kiwis and other people in front of them i'm just saying that we need to probably have a look particularly is there a tailored solution just for that group in queenstown is there something we can do to aid them i guess um, yeah and, and,
0: it's a sta- it's kind of a statement piece right too like hey come to new zealand we're so warm and welcoming and hey we turned to ship but now you're on your own piece and this and they're like what the fuck <laughs> like I, not that they expect rights but it'd be kind of the good bastard thing to do right like to, just i i, I see that i see the point because also if you long tail it out you're going to be screwed in a couple of years if all that that you know low churn um high retention talent pisses off and then you're stuck with the the nuts and bolts in and out fly by nighters, which actually cost the business more for the upskill and all the rest of it, right? So it's actually a potential a risk back to the economy by not addressing yeah.
1: something yeah, with well, care, right? Yeah. I mean hopefully even by Christmas we might see, you know, an uptake um and, you know, I don't know what the percentages of foreign workers in Queenstown are going to be significant. it might even be the case at fifty percent capacity, we can't cater to everyone's needs, which would which just be a, you know, a tragedy, I think.
0: Yeah. When you look at um the has there been a single thing in tourism that you felt has been broken for a while and now it's been exposed through this like has there in lots of other businesses like you know it's been shit people talking about physical servers that have been locked up with data that they can't get because they can't get access there's been just a, a array of big gaping holes in business businesses which have been kind of exposed through this right has there been anything in the tourism side that you've seen this is really really exposed through this for good or for bad um
1: look i think i, I don't see anything uh bad but i think what's been good is that you know we've because we're a seasonal business um i think our flexibility has really helped us uh, i think mm. you know tourism understands that seasonality so that's probably played into our favor a little bit um i think because the people in tourism uh you know they're battle hardened and um i think they've been reasonably tolerant of the situation um, you know in our own instance with 550 employees um you know I'd, we haven't had uh, one voice of dissent everyone seems to understand the situation so i think yeah. credit's got to go to them um, for their intelligence um they understand the market they're streetwise yeah. you know i, I attended a a meeting last week in Rotorua, where I met with um, all of our employees, and, and they were going through their last day of the restructuring. We met in, you know, separate groups, obviously over a period of day of the day, and um, what the questions they were asking. Um, I mean, it was yeah, I was, I was shocked. Um, they were they were really passionate about things like um, the foreign minister's comments around China. Uh, there were comments around um, uh, rescue packages for tourism um questions around why the ceo of local councils hadn't taken pay cuts yeah uh, oh, they, they, they don't want to do that no. <laughs> so, you know, so the, the batch beamer and the whatever yeah you yeah, yeah, that people are well, are well informed you know they understand the politics and uh, if anyone thinks that the general population don't get that they, they do so um yeah you know, i think that's probably the the real positive Robert out of all that is um, you know that uh, the industry and especially our people have, have continued to be passionate and understanding and look they're optimistic too
0: mm-hmm. yep they and unified, just- right it's very clear it's uh, that, oh, that, that, yeah. that as a collective it's been very much like you know we are here as a team together to get through a poster you know it's very clear you know you go to CNN or a bunch of these other things and you can see in a lot of other places around the world there is a, a, a the masses are on different pages, let's just say.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. A, a, and, uh, I'm talking
0: about America, Les. I'm
1: talking yeah. about America. <laughs> yeah, and the UK to some degree. Yeah, uh, I, I, it. I, it's funny you I was thinking the same thing this morning. I think, you know, we've been lucky in New Zealand we've been pretty unified. Um, I think we all appreciate the great job, um, not only just the government, but I think um, government officials, and they probably haven't had the credit they deserve. But how everyone managed that crisis on our behalf, I think it's great. But mm-hmm. I think we'll look back and say, look, the health crisis was two months, but the financial crisis was two years. And so that's the concern is that, you know, we're actually going through the most difficult bit now. And, you know, of course, I do hope the government, um, future governments get this right. But I would hate to think that our, our what, almost 400,000 people across tourism and direct, direct, um, I would hope that some of their, if frustration doesn't turn to anger and you know yeah, yeah. That's probably a concern that you know that they get the, the care and attention they need because we wouldn't want to see that because then you you know you might see some fragmentation and we, we don't want them
0: well i think from when the budget had come out um two weeks ago or whatever you know basically the two bitches were flipping tourism got smoked and small business got screwed and so you kind of seen like what isn't this a big part of it, like obviously they're trying to shift the dynamics of, of the economy or whatever within the tourism circle. Speaking, you know, what was the what was the mood when that budget came out with those in the tourism space for how I guess small business tourism, but we'll keep with tourism to start with because small business is a different kettle of fish, but um. Yeah, what was the vibe when when how did tourism see the budget were they like stuff this (laughs) or was it like i can understand kinda like what did not you hypothetically let's say hypothetically your friends what did they ring you up and tell you (laughs) that their thoughts were
1: (laughs) well I'm, i'm gonna be polite because i realize you this is a public forum and you've got a wide following um i i guess though uh robert what
0: and I do want to say the
1: right thing you know what we quickly determined your friends yeah, that wrong you not you but your friends yeah, yeah. what we quickly acquaintances yeah is that we could get caught up with all the negative and what was really vital was just now to get on with it it was yeah. pretty clear we have been you know the signal kind of was you're on your own and it so I think we got that message pretty clearly and you know and many have a choice personally you know do you, you think about the negative you think about the positive now everyone's situation is different and obviously if your business is in crisis then you're going to have a different view um but what our company decided is we we sat down and I, I spoke to our owner and, and got his view on things and we just decided we were going to be positive we were going to make some dates about reopening hotels not that we had business on the books or anything, but we were just going to put a stake in the ground. We were going to continue continue with the support of our shareholders. We went back to them, the varying uh, developments we had, and said, are you still keen to proceed? And everyone, we talked them through that, obviously, made some good sort of, yeah, I guess, clear financial expectations for them. And um, they were still on board. So we've decided we're just going to get on with it. We're going to be positive and we're going to move forward. I think the danger for the industry is that if we get too caught up in that negative stuff, um, become too critical of the government, it's probably not going to be helpful. Having said that, we, sh- you know, we do need to make sure our we listen to and our concerns are addressed. Absolutely, we we shouldn't shy away from that because we've got a contribution to make. Um, but at the same time, yeah, we're pretty, keen to, to to kind of put that somewhat behind us.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I think when. It's a clear statement of, you know, we need the nation to potentially start to go in a different direction for reliance for GDP or dollars or whatever. It kind of, not, I mean, a lot of my friends in it were just like, "Dude, they're kind of leaving us out in the cold here." It's like they don't actually want to support us, blah blah. blah. This is the equivalent of a couple of days bullshit, but and they just like some because obviously I'm, you know, friends with, crew, especially within the tourism space, and then I was kind of well, if it's kind of, if you're out to the cold and you go yourself, but there's there's the there's billions that are going, there's the Trantasman this, there's 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 a whole bunch more to it. When you kind of see maybe just this this next little phase, how do you um how do you fill the rooms back up? Like what what have has there been other ideas of like, you know, pop up Airbnbs or bits I mean, just I d I don't know. Like what what type of ideas are people thinking about um when it comes to the hotels and stuff around trying to get more people in rooms? Like what are some well, of the I mean, options with how that sort of plays up? Yeah, I mean we
1: Certainly, thinking laterally, we've got a couple of um, irons in the fire which look really promising around some different ideas. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to share those, but most businesses will be doing the same thing. You know, what can we do? Mm. Um, yeah, I, obviously, I, as I was sort of saying before, I, I think the recovery will come in stages. Domestic tourism, I think we'll see a little uptake in that. It, it might be a bit of a spike, but nonetheless, it's welcomed. Um, and with the think, Anzac bubble too, right? When that yeah, happens. that looks you know after today's announcements, it kind of looks like that's going to happen sooner. Um, I was sort of thinking that might be last quarter, but that may actually come a bit sooner, which would be great. That will help, mm-hmm. um, and then I think by the end of the year, all going well, there'll be some confidence around um, conferencing and corporate travel. Um, I took my first flight yesterday, and um, you know the plane was, was it weird, started. weird, weird. Yeah, um, face mask like the, the what was the vibe? No, no, it was um, it was normal, except um, you know, it's 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 just weird driving in, and um, I, you know, I don't want to sound elitist, but it's just weird driving into Kuru parking <laughs> and finding that the whole car park is completely empty. Um, yeah, because you know, it's normal. It's, so that's it's just no, weird. No business travel, yeah, yeah. There's no one at the airport at all. There's more airport workers than yeah, airport people. Uh, but they were people there. Yeah, um, and then uh yeah I, I guess it was it was a little bit surprising to go to the aviation security and find that the queue was still 25 minutes to get through um <laughs> maybe they, they downsized.
0: Was, they just got they got cheryl out there just with this one wand like safe, yeah. safe.
1: <laughs> i've obviously adjusted their uh their um level um and then um yeah and, and then, but the plane trip was fine it was it, there's just a bit of a you just got to be a little bit patient you know loading and unloading takes a little bit more time but uh, everything yeah. was fine i flew in new zealand the service was, was excellent as usual um everybody yeah. in the airport's great um so yeah but it was a bit of a weird weird experience but interesting how you know once i'd land i, I took a return return trip you know once i landed you're just back in the mode and yeah. it doesn't take much and i think people are a little bit like that around the country that they're kind of reluctant at that first step but once you do you just fall back into old habits so i'm kind of hopeful that in the hotel space that that corporate travel and that conferencing will start to um, re-emerge. In fact, uh, I was talking to one of our managers yesterday in one of our hotels. They had had, uh, they had 16 conference inquiries the day before. I checked out of the hotel about 7.30 in the morning. They already had 10 more in their inbox. So, nice. um, you know, that was really good sign. With the previous week, it was nothing. So...
0: It's um, going to be that escapism pop too, right? Because when you've been cooped up for that long, and that, that you can start start to see freedom, it's like, cool. Where do we go? What are we going to do? You know, obviously tourism New Zealand's got this. You know, got to try and drive more locally and stuff.
1: That I definitely get that. The, um, yeah, um, a lot of mums and dads actually enjoy going away for a conference overnight or a business trip.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Get> yeah, away
1: <laughs> <laughs> cocktail yeah. hour. <laughs> I get it. So at the moment, it's just so
0: all the international. Um, so are you on the list with the government for uh, people that come back into the country to quarantine for two weeks, you, you, you were saying? And yeah. is that just yeah. in Auckland, is it?
1: Yes, we've got a quarantine hotel in Christchurch. Um, uh, the Nova Christchurch airport uh, was a quarantine hotel. It's no longer required. Um, so we've been at the sharp end of that. Um, and then in Christchurch in Auckland, two of our Sedimas um, were managed isolation facilities. The Auckland hotel is still a managed isolation facility. Um, i don't believe there's currently any more needs for these facilities in christchurch um, i think um, the auckland hotel i think is one of the 12 or 13 hotels in auckland that are still doing that we understand that will continue for some time um and uh, yeah so that's been you know it's been an interesting challenge are there
0: are there a lot of people that are s- still coming through because obviously i'm in the states at the moment and when when i come back across it's going to be you know t- two weeks sort of chilling but like what's the What's the vibe of people that are in there? Are they just kind of like, all just kind of hanging out waiting? Like what's the, what do you yeah. do?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all sorts, um, Robert. I mean, you know, not everyone that crosses the borders a model citizen. I'm not suggesting you are, but um, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> So, um, you know, they are housed. Um, and then you have elderly, you have people with accessible yeah. needs, you have people with special diets, you have different cultures, um, and you have people who wouldn't typically stay in a hotel. Um, and then of course you have people who have, um, you know, mental health challenges, um, yeah, true, yeah. um you have families, um, there's it, just all sorts. So it's oh, what a dynamic, it's a crazy yeah, dynamic. Yeah, and it keeps the hotel stuff really busy. Um, but the government's got a good su- support structure around those, um, hotels. Um, and I know there's some frustration in the, in the media recently, there's been a few stories of, of some, um, clients and other hotels, um, struggling. I'm pleased to say touch wood in our hotels, we haven't had any issues like that. We've really taken an approach of, of care and attention. Um, I had these discussions about, you know, different types of people and not everyone's used to a hotel. Um, in fact, yeah. we had, you know, a lot of lovely letters around the care. So, um, yeah, it's, but it's, it's 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 certainly interesting. However, you know, we we're grateful for the business. Yeah, um, true. Government's um, paying
0: as well, right like that's kind of yeah, there was yeah. these blogs I was seeing of these tourists that were putting up the Instagram account of just like all this amazing food that they were getting <laughs> because obviously they're probably not used to hotels and it was just kind of all popping off I'm like this is fucking great yeah it was just the dynamics of all this is, is super weird. um I know you're very busy man, but bef- before we go i want to um just ask like when the next um in the next by Christmas, what will success look like for you and and your
1: business? Uh, Yeah, so success will be that um, obviously we're starting to see revenues um, and profits, potentially profits, um, get to a point where we're sustainable. Um, Yeah, I guess by Christmas, you know, if we're we're sort of in a cash neutral position, I guess that would be a win. Uh, Followed quickly on behind that, um, Robert, would be that many of our current employees are on reduced hours and reduced salaries, in fact, everyone is no one in the company who's not taken a, a pay cut. Um, voluntary one, I would add. So my priority would be to get them back up to full hours and full pay. Um, and then, you know, the most exciting bit for us would be to be re-employing people. How cool would that be? Yeah. Um, in fact, yeah. you know, I had um, this hotel I referred to earlier that was getting conference bookings yesterday. Um, I had said to the hotel manager call the conference manager who we had um placed on extended leave um and have her back you know what a great call that will be to say look can you come yeah. back monday all is forgiven um we need you um, and we've taken the approach interesting enough with those conversations about saying will you have us back we don't want for a moment to say to people your job's there you know you should be grateful uh because yeah. i accept that there'll be some trust and some faith has been broken through this process so we're we going to take that approach and say, look, if you'll have us back, we will absolutely welcome you back. So to, by Christmas, they'd be making those sort of calls to be re-employing people would be
0: would be fantastic. Um, I love that yeah. change in language. It's a tone. It's an energy shift. It's it, it, it's more empathy-driven. It's leading with love. It's is it's a cool way to think about it, and it would probably change the energy of staff with trust back to the business by approaching it that way. So. It's a smart, yeah, smart
1: place I, I there's going to be a whole sort of cottage industry i mean i know these businesses exist but i think the opportunity for for small businesses especially um, to be focusing their um, services around team building um is going to be important because when you restructure companies that faith and trust gets broken um, but probably most of them will come back into employment and mm. i think um, there's a real sort of opportunity for us to go about now you know in a comp- as our own is a good example we will go about now trying to you know, go through team building exercises and, and talk about these things there will be slightly different things i think they'll probably be deeper um, the conversations will be more meaningful and they'll be about you know trying to put this behind us in a, in, in a positive way but not ignoring it and um, you can't suddenly you know re-employ all these people and then and then begin to celebrate things like nothing's happened right? something yeah, has broken yeah. Don't, don't worry about
0: it sweet yeah yeah
1: so i think we need to pause on those and no, just I
0: get it you know, um, totally get it um Liz, really appreciate your time man i know you're super tapped so it's great great insights and stuff and just even just on a, the way you're approaching and how it's all rolling out you know the view makes sense and um i'm wishing nothing but the best man and continue the linkedin vents they are brilliant no i'm <laughs> I'm not going to
1: do that. <laughs> <I'm>, uh, <laughs> I've had so much. Um, it, Robert. It's, uh, it's you know I've, I've had calls from all around the world. I've been introduced from all around the world, and uh, I've been lucky enough to be on forums like yourself. So you know, I've, although I appreciate all that, um, you know, I want yeah. to go back to to sticking to stick the to the knitting, and, to the knitting and um, just try and be the best example I can for our teams. Um, but look, I, it's been an interesting experience. I've had complete strangers call me up and um, ask for my advice or um, just talk, um, business people. Mm. So um, that's been humbling. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty keen to, like us all, I mean, we all want things to go back to normal, I guess, um, but I fully accept they won't.
0: Yeah, to a new normal. Uh, appreciate your time, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Cheers, Rob. Love your work. mate. Cheers, mate. Okay. Les Morgan, there you go, COO Sadima. What a good bastard! Never never met him before. Good banter, good wit. It'd be funny after a few beers. We could, I can, I can arrange that when I'm back. Um, <laughs> mate, I'm just really intrigued. Like when you, you fly back. So I'm in the states at the moment. When I fly back to New Zealand, what's it going to be like? Like, what other creatures and characters are going to be on the flight with you on the way home that you're going to have to hang out with for two weeks? Man, that would going to be funny. I don't know if it's funny or it'll be an experience, but hey, you know I'll, ha- I'll have my camera with me to um, to document. Um, oh, actually, I'll quickly quickly show you a, f- a few little new accessories that I've I've put on this this bad boy. Got a little handle at the top, happy with that. Little thing at the bottom, happy with that. Little mic, little holder. This could be the you know stuck at Sedema for two weeks. I could blog it. It'll be fun. Um, all right, team. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day, and I'll talk to you. I'll
1: be hearing from you hopefully soon. See you soon, team space.